Welcome to season three of the Fit Farming Food Mom podcast. I am Connie Nightingale, a former bodybuilder, certified personal trainer and nutritionist with an extreme passion for functional health and fitness. There is a huge problem these days with the standard health narrative. The current allopathic medicine, fitness theories, and nutrition guidelines are completely missing the mark. Through this podcast, I have been able to get uncensored, unfiltered knowledge out to the masses to help anyone. No matter if you're an average Joe or an elite athlete, I want to provide you with valuable knowledge to help you achieve your health and fitness goals. Remember, the best way to support this podcast is leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes and sharing with your friends and family or tagging me in your stories or posts on social media. Let's get this health movement out to others. Thank you so much again for joining me. Now let's get to the show. Hey there, welcome back to another episode. I'm glad you guys are joining me. I know I've been on a bit of a hiatus. I have had a lot of big things going on that have now kind of cleared up. And so I'm ready to get back to investing as much time as possible into this podcast. I was recently trying to actually purchase a local gym, which unfortunately fell through after a lot of time and dedication put into it. So it was a really frustrating moment for me, and I had to kind of take a step back and reevaluate what my business model is, how I can help as many people as possible, all the things. And so after some reflection, I have uh, clarity on what I want to do with my coaching and training people to help them reach their goals. I just had to kind of take a little bit of time and reevaluate all of that. Uh, And that time also included um, getting off of social media, which has made it a little bit difficult to get guests on the show because I'm not on there shooting people messages and learning people's ideas and techniques and all of that stuff. So A little bit of time away from social media makes it a little difficult to get guests on the show. The other thing I noticed is now almost every guest wants to know how many listeners you have. They want to go check out your reviews. They want to see what you're up to. And I really don't have that many reviews or listenership. So it has made it a little bit hard to get people on the show. So if you can do me a solid by going over and leaving me a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, That helps immensely in me getting quality guests on the show because ideally I would love to start getting people on weekly again if possible. So super hopeful that I can get this podcast back where it needs to be. I have taken plenty of time off now and I'm refocused and I have some new goals. So ready to hit those. I am currently actually uh, about three weeks out from a powerlifting meet. It will be my first one since I was like 17 that has been going pretty well. I've been thoroughly enjoying myself. That was also another reason for getting off social media. I did not want to be spending any time on there. I have so much time that I need to be spending on training or my clients or self-development in some way, shape, or form. And spending the time online doing something that wasn't really getting me anywhere was just not working. So taking a little breather from all of that, I will get back to it. I'm not permanently gone, but if you do want to hear things from me or be a part of my community, jump on my website, ConnieNightingale.com. Sign up for the free recipes. That's a great way to at least get started with your health journey. Uh, or you can sign up for my newsletter. Both modalities will get you connected into my newsletter where I can send you 
information on big things that could be happening. I don't spam. I don't send a newsletter out every week. I mean, you're lucky if I send one out every six months, but if I do have big news that needs to go out, that is going to be the way I am going to start doing it. That way I can stay away from social media a little bit. Also, if you have questions, comments, concerns, go leave me a message on ConnieNightingale.com. I really would love to be able to answer your questions and it's just too hard to do that via social media. So please become, go over to my website, become a part of my community. Let me communicate with you from my website. That would be optimal. So uh, anyhow, I know that you guys have heard me preach this before, but I'm still on the electrolyte kick. So still drinking LMNT every single day in my water. Tastes amazing. I now have almost all of my clients doing the same. Keeps their sodium balance good because I've noticed a lot of people when they start complaining of fatigue and all of these things, it's maybe because they don't have enough salt. So LMNT is awesome. You can jump on over and get a free sample pack at drinklmnt.com forward slash Connie. All you do is pay the shipping. It's a great deal. Chocolate and watermelon. Those are my favorites. So definitely go over and check that out. Well, before I ramble on much further, because you know me, I can go forever. I want to just tell you a little bit about today's guest. Her name is Samantha Louise Nelson, and she is really big into teaching women in leadership and helping them unlock their talents that they didn't even know they have through biocognitive science, basically. So teaching you how to unlearn things that you may have learned via your environment or even have mentally taught yourself. So this is a really good talk. You're going to love what she has to say. And I'm really excited for you to listen to today's episode. So without much more blabbering on, here is Samantha Louise. All right, Samantha, I'm super excited to have you coming on the show. We kind of met through um, actually some consultations that I got at a powerlifting conference. Um, And so I pursued it. It took us a little while to connect. And when we did, it was totally worth it. We definitely were made to connect. (laughs) Yeah, it's been really, really fun. Um, I love connecting with someone like you where uh, there's this passion to improve yourself, but it's at so many levels beyond just taking your body to the gym for a run, taking your body outside to push it through something that maybe it doesn't even want right now. And really, really looking at something deeper than surface level. What do I need right now to be the best version of myself? I love that. And I love what you said right there, pushing it to do something it may not want right now. That's a really Mm -hmm. big part of my coaching. And so I was really excited to hear you just say that. Yeah, I think (laughs) we see it everywhere, right? Even if it's um, like stagnancy, whether Mm -hmm. it's movement or being still too often, we don't listen to our bodies and, and, and give it what it's asking for. So I love that. Well, (laughs) give my listeners a little bit of your background and what got you doing the things that you're doing because they're pretty awesome. Absolutely. So growing up, I was an athlete. Uh, When I was a little kid, I never, ever thought I would be. I didn't like sports kinds of things at all, but I was, I grew up on a farm. So I was outside in nature, active and playing all the time. And in middle school and high school, I got into sports and found out I was really good at them. 
So I was competing in volleyball, basketball, track and field, and eventually in high school started getting into yoga and meditation and saw something beyond what just a physical workout would give me as a benefit to become better. Uh, and I also started competing in Olympic powerlifting, which eventually in college and a, for a few years beyond that turned into competitive powerlifting. And during this journey of competition and, and uh, like the physicality, developing my physicality, I started to run into some burnout and I started to question like, what is it between the mind and the body that I don't have right? So I can go to the gym and I can, I can work out three, four or five times a day if I need to and want to, but there's something else happening, whether it's my mind or the emotional body or the spiritual body that's not being addressed right now. So that, that's what brought me to this journey of biocognitive science right now, uh, yoga, um, all these different modalities that at the end of the day, it's just about connecting the mind and body so that we're more aware of ourselves. Oh boy, do I love that because I've found so much with just working with people in general that they can do whatever they want. They can force their body into all of these crazy things, but if their mind isn't there, then the, the magic is not going to happen. It doesn't matter how much work they do. Yeah. I think as you say that, even just thinking about the word yoga, like especially in Western culture, uh, we don't we don't talk about what yoga means. We don't talk about the yoking of the mind and body and and how many different modalities and how many different versions of yoga, of running, of strength training, right? It's it's not all the same for every single person. So I appreciate meeting someone like you where you know how to make it so customized because you listen to people first, right? You actually get to the core source of what someone needs and, and what they're longing for and what they've never been exposed to. Right. And I think that's also difficult though, um, from a coaching standpoint, and I'm sure you have run into this too, because you start to find yourself analyzing everybody and everything that's going around. And you're like, what is, what is going on with this person? What triggered this behavior? What can we do to change this? And it becomes this huge rabbit hole when you get into coaching people and you start pulling in the mental side of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think about even sitting out in public, like people watching, right? If somebody walks by in front of me, just based on their gait, <laughs> it's like I can start to identify what muscles in their body are tight or weak or how much of, of one exercise they overdo and what they're missing. But then like to see their face or to start a conversation, all of a sudden I start to wonder what else might they need help with, right? Based on that comment they just made, this is some of the cultural conditioning that they've probably learned. And from that conditioning, here's another thing that's probably happening physically and emotionally. So it is, yeah, it's, it's powerful. And then learning for ourselves as coaches or mentors, like how do you step back from that and uh, realize that not everybody's journey is my journey. And even though I can see it and I wanna help, like I don't have to. I, that's been one of the hardest things for me is learn to step back. And unless somebody's asking for help, I'm not going to offer it. Right. I'm uh, not going to, I'm not here to fix you. I'm just, I get I can, it. I can stop and let you figure it out for yourself until well, you want help. Then I'm here. 
Yeah. And then we do it together. Totally. And I see that a lot in the personal training realm as well. Cause I work with people, not only via online coaching, but I also have it uh, in person presence. And actually some of those ones are the ones that are the hardest to work with because they come to you and they have been conditioned to think that they need to be working out in order to look a certain way in order to, to appear a, a certain way for other people. And you see that in their presence when you're training them, they don't want to be there. And that is so hard to work with. Yeah, it's um, the the balance, right? You and I have talked about balance before and everybody talks about it. But at the end of the day, I think part of feeling like you have to move all of the time, it's not only about like, I think my body should look a certain way. And the only way I can achieve it is by moving and working out. And the other aspect of that as as we're discussing is the mental and emotional side is if I'm moving and I'm active, um, start asking yourself, is it an opportunity for me to distract from painful emotions that I might be suppressing or repressing? Is it an opportunity for me to just uh, glide over what's actually going on down underneath? And what's the benefit of breath, breathing as movement? What's the benefit of being still in a movement, right? Or doing something really, really super slow to see what the body releases through that. It's not always about pushing. Absolutely. And that's something that I have had to learn and why I sought out help from you was because I was like, oh boy, I I started realizing I've been burying all these things through fitness for so many years and keeping myself busy and doing crazy things. And, uh, so it, it is this, this certain circumstance that is so important is getting connected, um, mentally with things. And that's the difference bridging the gap between outcome coaching, where you just get pers- a person res- a result and lifestyle coaching, where you're actually teaching them sustainable habits that they can do for a lifetime. And, and the power of just the word lifestyle, it changes everything, right? Because all of a sudden, exercise isn't the only form of movement in your life and eating a meal isn't the only thing that refers to nourishing and fueling and restoring your body um and it also just it brings it all together all of a sudden like if if you sit a lot at work or if you lift a lot of things at work that's part of your lifestyle so then how does that inform when you go to work out later in the day or if Mm -hmm. you don't work out because of all of that It just, it makes such a huge shift for the entire body comprehensively. So let's dive into something you said a little bit earlier, and that's the things that we've been conditioned Mm -hmm. to feel or look or perceive. Let's talk about that a little bit, because that's something you and I have kind of started to dive into is why we do the things that we do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mentioned the term biocognition earlier, and um, as I've been trying to discover myself and learn how to be a better support for other people, having to go inward and do some of that deep work was really difficult because like you said, as a coach, you can look at someone and start to analyze and pick apart every little thing. Um, But do you have the skill to do that for yourself? And If you can do that, then you start to realize more and more, um, I don't want to analyze myself. Therefore, I don't want to analyze everybody else. 
So instead of analyzing and trying to fix, uh, my my at least my approach is more of this like cultural anthropology or the word ethnography is what I use. So it's really how do we identify the culture of our own life, but also how do we identify the culture around us? So I'm not talking about race and ethnicity here, right? I'm talking about the context in which you exist. So it might be the culture of your own inner world. What goes on inside of you? How do you perceive the world? And that's determined by what we learn growing up from family, the family culture, the community culture, the school culture. And once I started to see uh, this, this map inside of my brain, like how all of this was being conditioned inside of me through um, lessons that were supposed to keep me safe, but realizing eventually in my life, those lessons were actually harming me and not because someone wanted to, to do bad things. Um, I mean, in some cases that is what happens, but we talk about those archetypal wounds of shame, betrayal and abandonment. Wherever you are in the world at any time in the history of the world, as a human, you've experienced all three of those. So any wound, any trauma, any stress you've ever had in your life can fit into one of those archetypes. And the reason I like to use the, the biocognitive model with these archetypes is because it opens up instead of categorizing and saying you fit into this box now let's go fix that that analytical side. It allows us to actually open up and start to express what was the story behind that experience. What's the rule that you have taken into your body and your brain and your emotional body to judge this is good this is bad that's right that's wrong and then make the decision about what do you want to do with it do you want to keep living with that rule that's actually harming and creating dysfunction and dis-ease inside of you or now as you're growing up and developing yourself do you want to rewrite a new rule do you want to set a new value system do you have your own belief system or do you just want to keep perpetuating the generational cycles? Do you just want to keep going with the status quo or do you really want to get better? So I love retelling that. the story. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. So what can we do to start digging into this? Tell me a little bit more about biocognition and how we can dig into this and how some of these wounds have affected us. Yeah. The, the first, I always say the first thing is to slow down. Step number one is to stop pause and start to identify opportunities in your own life to slow down. And someone that I'm working with right now on a, we're calling it longevity and leadership. So it's somebody who's been like had decades of very, very successful career as a leader uh, in education uh, and looking now at like, what has this, how has this long-term career of always being under pressure and always having to make tough decisions, uh, raising a family, like balancing all these different things. How is it impacting me physiologically, emotionally, et cetera? Um, and what is it that I want to do differently? So step number one is slowing down and starting to listen to yourself. So I think it's cool people who, who are pursuing the physical aspect, you're already we already tend to be more in tune with our bodies than a lot of other people. 
So it's an opportunity to have a conversation with your body and start asking when pain comes up or when dis-ease is presenting itself beyond a physiological, uh, as if we were a machine, like beyond the diagnostics of, oh, this part must be broken, I should fix it. Start to slow down and look at the symbolism. Like, is there a term that goes with it? Like if, you're, if your lower back hurts and in your head you think, wow, my back is really angry, then look at the symbolism of how do you hold on to anger in your life? Right, the biosemiotics or the bio symbols. And then where does the anger come from? Is it because you've been shamed for so long? Are you angry at an abandonment or a betrayal wound? Um, so really using your body as its own kind of diagnostic tool and letting your intuition guide you so that you're not second guessing and you're not like a lot of people just think that's crazy talk, but your body has so much wisdom in it right? From hundreds of thousands of years of epigenetic transfer, your body knows what it's talking about and you just have to listen to it. So it's slowing down and hearing, hearing those messages, uh, taking time to, to identify where they came from. And like I just said, what do you want to do with it next? You can keep going or you can try to restructure and, and make a, a, a real difference in your life. Um, and I find this interesting, actually, what you're talking about, because they are starting to figure out that a lot of autoimmune conditions actually go back to like trauma. It's not even, I mean, something else may have helped trigger it, but trauma actually may have been the origin of what really actually started it. And they have found that when they start clearing up that trauma and, and people start being able to identify what's going on, they're able to get the autoimmune under control. Yeah, absolutely. So like we've talked about before, one of the critical components of biocognition is uh, a field of work called psychoneuroimmunology. And it's all about how do our thoughts and emotions actually impact us at the cellular level of our bodies. So when we're talking about trauma correlated to health issues or autoimmune disease, it's because usually of all of the shame and all of the inflammation molecules in the body, right? So even people who are who are cancer survivors, um, sometimes the research isn't there to say that this is a cause because there's just not quite enough of it yet, but there is such strong correlation um, that when we look at healing through honor, healing through loyalty, healing through commitment to ourselves, and all like always giving those gifts to ourselves, not looking for other people to give it to us. Uh, we, there are huge shifts in the bodies of people that are experiencing autoimmune diseases, not that you get cured or they go away, uh, but it changes. It changes drastically for a lot of people who start to make those shifts and rewrite the story. I love that. And so when you and I first got together, our very first session, I think you ran me through kind of a meditative practice where you could just check in and see where am I really hanging on to tension? What's like, how does my body really actually feel? And you are so good at guiding that process, but mm -hmm. it was so wild. I remember I was like, was doing this breath work slash meditative practice. It's hard to call it that because it's a little bit different, but, um, and I was like, holy cow, I realized 
I could not relax my forehead no matter what I tried to do. <laughs> and you, you kind of dove into why that was and that there are certain areas in the body where these actual wounds kind of affect us. Mm-hmm. Yes. So looking, look, I'll just go through them really quickly. Right. So um, in, in the research of biocognition, um, this is different than chakras and other energetic systems, even though they complement each other. And, and for anyone that knows other modalities and systems like that, you'll see how there's resonance. But um, again, this archetypal study, this anthropological research of across hundreds of thousands of people, certain kinds of trauma sit in certain places in the body. So we look at five different portals for these wounds or this trauma and stress to start presenting physiologically. So if you're, if you're experiencing, if you're doing a body scan, right, just slow down, pay attention to your body from the bottoms of your feet up to your stomach. Any heat, tension, discomfort, dis-ease in that part of the body tends to be held from a lack of safety. So anytime in your life that you have felt unsafe, and if it's presenting in that moment, start to go into what's making you feel unsafe. Anything in the rib cage or on the heart and lungs is the portal of love. So where do you feel fear? How do you feel a lack of love and compassion? And what do you need next? Uh, from the fingertips, up the arms, across the shoulders, uh, into the neck and face, that's the portal of expression or freedom of expression. So in your life, where have you felt like you're not allowed to express yourself? Where has your creativity or your intellect not been valued or been shamed, abandoned, betrayed? And then check it out in that space. What's going on? What kind of pressure, tension, disease is going on there? Uh, from the eyebrows to the top of the head is the portal of peace. So thinking about disturbance of the peace, right? We even have phrases in our cultures that go along with each of these different parts of the body. So what's going on there? How is your peace disturbed? Is it is it uh, your own language and self-talk that you've learned from somebody else? Or is it the environment and culture that you're in right now? And then lastly, we talk about the portal of spirit. And depending on your belief system, you can change that word to your name, or you can call it the spirit of nature, the spirit of source, the universe, whatever. But the essence is that you can't touch it. It's non-local and it just feels like it's everywhere. But when you try to find the actual physical space, it's nowhere. So it's like your whole being is just not quite right. It's not well. And that requires work on personal truth. Who are you? What are you here to do in the world? Who cares about it? So those are the five portals. And and I want to rewind just a little bit to something you said right there was, is it outside trauma or is it something you have taught yourself? Because that was one thing that I, when I was bodybuilding, I literally taught myself that I hated myself. And it was really crazy because it didn't come from anything else. It came from me literally looking in the mirror and picking myself apart every day. And eventually it just became this really big, bad black spiral. 
And it took me a little while to get out of that. Luckily, I identified it. I think a lot of people don't get to that place where they identify that there is something going wrong. Me being very psychoanalytical, I was like, wait a minute, I'm, I, I see that I see the pattern here. I see I have to change this. And this involves me retraining my way of thinking around how I look. Mm-hmm. Yes. And isn't that one of the most difficult things to do? Our, our self-talk is so powerful. It's right. It's default mode. So whether think about even getting up in the morning, what's the first thing you do in the morning, get up and look at your phone or go brush your teeth or whatever. And, or like we've talked about before driving somewhere to go from point A to point B in a familiar space, you can zone out and all of a sudden you have arrived at your destination and what went on in that trip. It doesn't matter. You were spaced out in that default mode, thinking, feeling, doing just the normal things that you always do that you're not even aware of. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? So what's going on then? How does that impact you in your well-being? Uh, it, and it's funny you brought up the driving like that is exactly how it is too. I, how many times have we all arrived at our destination? We're like, holy shit, how did we get here? I don't That's even right. know. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, the or, same the same goes for what's going on in our head. Right. That's so amazing. I love it. But yeah, and it's the truth. And you see this a lot where people in their head, they literally tell themselves, I've tried everything and nothing works. Or I, I'm just overweight or I'm just sick or I just have digestive problems or, or if they get a diagnosis, it's even worse because then somebody told them they should be some way regardless of how they need to change it or how it can be changed. Somebody told them that they are going to be that way. I mean, I can almost use myself as an example in this with, or many of my clients that have autoimmune disease, the doctors, they go, well, you're just going to feel tired and sluggish and you're just, you're not, you shouldn't go to the gym. And like, they tell you all of these things, right. And it almost programs you to think that's just how it's going to be. Yes. So think about uh, doctors, teachers, pastors, whatever it is, people that are important in our cultures, we call them cultural editors, right? So think about you're writing the story of your life, this cultural editor steps in and then inserts in brackets their own thinking to to totally shift what you're doing. Right. And to say, like, if, if you if you're experiencing an autoimmune disease or anything else, you are not that thing. But we even start to use the language of I am fat. I am this or that or the other thing, which makes it permanent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you are that, yeah, you're just going to keep being that. But um, and yeah, and not to say that. um if you start to change the language and start to change the mindset that it's going to go away, but it's going to change slowly bit by bit. And all of a sudden one day you'll wake up and it'll be like a new life because you put in a year of work or a decade of hard work, but it makes everything different at the end of the day. If you're willing to stick with it and, and recognize that when the clouds move in, that's normal. A distraction comes in and throws you off. That's normal. That's part of the test to get back on the path. Absolutely. And the thing about it is I liked something you mentioned there. 
it takes time to heal these things. It's not like I decided one day that I was not going to pick myself apart anymore and just magically fixed it all. It, it takes repetition, muscle memory. People understand what muscle memory is and how it mm -hmm. takes time. You have to throw that softball 10,000 times before it's perfect. Or when I used to ride horses in dressage, my instructor would always be like, you have to do this a thousand times in order for it to just become easy. Even if it's in your sleep, like you, you have to make this happen over and over. It's the same with your self-talk and how you feel about yourself. And it's so funny looking back at the journey. Now I'm like, every time I look in the mirror, I'm like, damn, you look good girl. Like, and I, I find myself like, I, I hope I'm never like trans, like somebody thinks I'm vain or whatever, but I just, I've talked to myself so positively over the last few years, we're talking, it's been three years of changing my, my mental outlook about how I look and feel But looking in the mirror now, I'm like, holy crap, look at you. You look good girl. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, and I feel that way, honestly, 100%. And I had a consultation with a coach over some of my improving, some of my biomarkers and some of my performance. And he's like, well, you're like the first person I've talked to in a long time that didn't say you wanted to lose weight and tone up or do something like that. And I was like, no, I'm happy where I'm at. I just want to fix my other health markers. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? And, and you can start to see the tracking of as you change your mindset and consciousness, as you start to become more aware of your emotions, the body will transform with it. So you'll see faster gains and you'll see more rapid transformation than ever because the, obviously the mind and body are connected. You cannot separate them, right? We have a central nervous system for a reason, but in our Western culture, for some reason, there's so much of that, like just that divide and like emotions are bad and emotions shouldn't be expressed. And because of that, we push them down and we get sick. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So yeah. let's talk, you talked a little bit about some of these wounds. Let's dive into like the anecdotes to that. Like, how do we start to change these things that have happened and how can we start to identify them and then move on from them. The trickiest part of bringing the antidotes into our lives for me personally and for other people that I work with is uh, this externality thing. We have to get we have to get away from looking for the answers outside of us. So be because we have been hurt by other people, the shame, the betrayal, the abandonment comes from other sources and then we learn how to do it to ourselves based on how they treat us. Um, so in order to heal, we can't look for it from another person. We have to bring it in into our lives and bring it into our bodies and minds ourselves. So if you feel like shame, any form of wounding that, that you sense as shame, if you feel that coming up in your body, the antidote for it is honor. Right? So when you're experiencing shame, it's hot. There's a lot of inflammation happening in the body. And when you bring honor in, when you honor your personal truth, when you honor your needs, you start to experience like tingling and coolness in the body. You'll probably notice that your clothes fit differently. And it might be in a really short period of time. You notice your posture might change because the inflammation and the pressure goes away. So, so bringing in self-honor. 
if you have experienced a lot of betrayal in your life and tend to betray yourself now because you've learned that as a language of love, the antidote to heal is loyalty. So remaining loyal to your dreams, staying loyal to your creativity and your vision for life. And when you're experiencing betrayal, it's also hot, but the vascular system is contracting, whereas with shame, it's expanding. Um, and with betrayal, we feel tend to feel anger. And when we bring in that loyalty, there's a sense of peace and resolve. If you experience a lot of abandonment in your life, um, the vascular system constricts more often and you tend to feel cold and shaky and withdrawn. But when you bring commitment in, right, commitment to your self-care, commitment to rituals that are healing to you, uh, you start to see resolve again in the body where you can open up. You don't feel like you're frozen in time and you just are more free, more free to be you, more free to live joy, to live a life of meaning. I love all of that. Um, and that, that was one thing that I, I love that you just said right there, commitment to you. Like a lot of these things come back to you. Like you don't, you're not doing this to please somebody else. You're not changing the way. I mean, honestly, people, what's the biggest reason people want to change the way they look? It's not for them. It's <laughs> almost never for them. I would say 98% of the time it's not for them. It's for yeah. somebody else. It's for their husband. It's for their friends. And now we get into social media where people want to like, go, I mean, especially in bodybuilding, being in that space as well, I'm seeing more and more people just go out and do a bodybuilding show just because they want to post it on social media. They're not going through that journey for them. They're going through it for other reasons. And so that's when you internally have to start putting together what your why and what you're doing and who you are doing it for. Yes, absolutely. And that that who you're doing it for um like taking all of this in as you want to heal yourself and grow and be better if you ask the question who cares right when you start to distance yourself from toxicity and people that are sucking you back into those wounding moments you really start to see who cares at a really deep level who's using you as opposed to who cares enough to let you or support you in this healing process because it's um it's revealing right a lot of people say they want the best for you but when you start to separate yourself from what's hurting you not very many people are going to show up anymore because you have to show up for yourself absolutely and i i mean i recently noticed with myself i took a really big evaluation of all these things that were going on because i've had a whole compilation of things happen over the last couple of weeks. And I was like, you know, why am I doing the things that I do? What's the reasoning behind it? Am I, if nobody was listening or watching, then what would I be doing right now? Yeah, absolutely. And going off of that, and I, I think about, I had a, a really cool coach in high school uh, who started to bring this mindfulness stuff into our athletics because she was a world traveler and she just experienced so many really powerful emotional spiritual opportunities and that was like that was always her message on or off the court if no one's looking at you what are you going to do right now absolutely and it's kind of interesting because 
I actually a couple days ago decided I was going to take a break from social media, which is hard as a business owner. Cause you're like, what am I missing out on? Who might be missing this? Like, but I started to realize like the right people will come to me at the right time. And I need to stop get being on social media for self-fulfillment reasons. And to be wondering if I'm being judged, like there's all these things involved. Right. And the social media rabbit hole is very deep. And I think it is a really, really bad place for a lot of people to be these days. Um, but anyway, I started taking this like mental inventory of my whys and, and all of the things. And I was like, you know what? I don't need to be on here for anybody else except for me. And so I'm just going to take a break. I don't really care. (laughs) And, you know, get my head in the game, get, get, get back in touch with myself and my own personal feelings. And if I was doing something, if social media didn't exist, and if, if the, if people didn't have any idea what I was up to, would I still be doing it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's a hard one to face, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But you know that when the answer is yes, it's probably because you've done some really serious work on yourself and you've gotten so in line with your purpose that, yeah, you're in the right place. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So we are running short on time, but what I want to talk about is if there was anything you could get out there in the world right now, what would it be? Um, like from a message that I want to share with the world. Yeah. It's going to be what I shared earlier. It's going to be slow down. Right. If, if you could look at a calendar in front of you, how can you create more white space? How do you create more blank space in your days? Because you have to love yourself first. You can't show up for anyone else if you don't love yourself, if you're not worth it, if you don't take the time to have a ritual or a, a moment, even just one breath that's for you each day. It will change everything. So create, create some of that blank space for yourself and dedicate just one moment a day to you. I love that. And I tell people that sometimes I'm like, just instead of scheduling something else in that calendar, schedule your time in that calendar where you're like, Mm -hmm. where does your time fit in? Because if it was a coffee date with a friend or a doctor's appointment or getting your kids to some kind of sports, you would be there. So why can't you make that space in your calendar to be there for yourself as well? Yes. Amen. I love That's it. it. <laughs> so if people want to find you, look more into what you're doing and reach out if they have want to dive into this a little bit deeper, because I will tell you from a personal standpoint, um, it, it, I have had incredible sessions with you. So if people want to find you and, and dive into this a little bit deeper, how do they do that? The best place to find me is just at my website, which is my name, samanthalouise.co. And I love to build a relationship first. So don't come expecting me to like prescribe or tell you to go do something. If you want to connect, that's what we're going to do is connect. And if it feels right, we can talk more. But my website's the best place to start. Uh, And I will put all that in the show notes so people can look further into you and what you have going on and connect if they so choose. Thank you. Well, I really appreciate you sharing some of your wisdom with us today, and hopefully I can have you back someday in the future and we'll dive into some other fun talks. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, thanks for tuning in. For further information about me and my programs, as well as free recipes and other health tips, please visit www.connynightingale.com 
or find me on Instagram at Connie I want to remind you that any opinions or views expressed in this podcast are their own and that they are not intended to diagnose, treat, or cure any illness or condition. This show is not intended to replace your regular health care. Please consult with your current primary care provider before changing any of your diet, exercise, or medical protocols. Thanks so much for tuning in. See you next time.